we're gonna jump into Genesis uh, chapter 37. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I don't have time uh, to read the entire story of Joseph's life, uh, but I'm, so I'm gonna jump into segments and parts of his story, and I'm going to kind of give you a brief overall view of his life, because I do understand that when you're in a church like, like ours, not everybody that comes to church here on Sunday morning is gonna know all the Bible stories. How many of you think that's a great thing? I actually think that's a wonderful thing. That makes me very happy, actually. And so I, I wanna make sure that I don't just assume that you know all of the church lingo and you know all of the stories. Um, so I, I do wanna talk about Joseph, but I don't have time to tell you about his whole life because he has a big, <laughs> vibrant, crazy life. But I, I do wanna give you the basics. And his, we kind of uh, discover his beginning here in Genesis chapter 37. The Bible tells us here in Genesis 37 that uh, Joseph was born and he was uh, one of many brothers that his father, Jacob, actually loved him the most out of all of his brothers. I think it's very interesting that the Bible would let us in on that. I think it's important that it says that because it's good information to have because Joseph was so favored. The Bible says he was so loved by his dad that the Bible tells us that his dad made him a special coat to designate that he was his favorite. Now, um, I've got four kids and I think at certain times in their life, they have each been my favorite. Is any parent in here, you just, can you just be honest for a second and, and uh, say, you know, every, every now and then, Chloe's been my favorite, and then Judah's been my favorite, and Aaliyah's been my favorite. Currently, probably this week, Oliver is probably my favorite, just because the other three are teenagers. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But so that might that might that might be a while, <laughs> um, and then Chloe, you know, when she has grandkids, she'll probably be my favorite again because she's having grand, my grandbabies, and I, it just uh, changes. But his heart was set. Jacob's heart was set. It was like Joseph, this is my this is my favorite. And he was so favored by his dad that his brothers hated him because of it. And then on top of that, Joseph is a dreamer. And so Joseph is having these dreams, and in these dreams, he's, he's being served by his brothers and his family, and he doesn't keep these dreams to himself. He actually tells his brothers and his family that he's having these dreams, and they get even more angry at him. One day, his dad sends him to check on his brothers. They're out serving in, in the fields, and the Bible says that as Joseph is approaching, they look and they say, here comes that dreamer, and they actually come up with a plan to kill their own brother. And one of, one of the brothers, Reuben, says, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into this pit, into this well, basically. It's an empty well. Let's just throw him in this well, and he'll eventually die there. But at least we didn't lay hands on him and kill him ourselves. The elements or an animal or something will do it and not us. But Reuben's plan was to come back and get Joseph and rescue him. Well, when he comes back to get Joseph and rescue him, the brothers, the other brothers, have already sold Joseph into slavery. And now Joseph has been bought by uh, Potiphar here in Egypt. Uh, the brothers have taken Joseph's coat. They've dipped it in goat's blood. They've sent it by messenger back to the father. And the assumption is that Joseph is dead. The assumption is Joseph has been eaten. Joseph has been attacked. And he is dead. So after the end where it says Joseph was sold to Potiphar in Egypt, Genesis 38 happens, and Genesis 38, to me, 
is the most misplaced portion of scripture in the whole Bible. Not only is it just a weird story, it's just in the weirdest place. It's like we jump right into the middle of Joseph's story. It's like cliffhanger. Joseph has been sold into slavery. Here he is. Now he's in Potiphar's house. Then all of a sudden, the Bible switches the whole thing up and goes into this story about Judah and Tamar. And this is where I want to jump in because I don't think that this is just a separate story from Joseph's. I believe that this is, this is God connecting the dots. And I wanna, I wanna show you what I believe God is speaking to my heart for you today. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. God, you've been so good to us. I just wanna thank you for this incredible church family. I wanna thank you that this is a praying church, that this is a serving church, that this is a giving church, that this is a church full of faithful people, and I am so thankful to be a part of it. As I've traveled around and I've seen other moves and things that you're doing in the earth, oh man, what you're doing here is so special. It's so unique, and sometimes we can't see it because we're just all the, all the time in it. And so God, I pray that if, if, if we've developed some sort of Dis, dissatisfaction or we don't appreciate the house of God like we, we have in past, that God, you would begin to remind us of how good you have been to us and the life change that has happened here and the, the, maybe even the reason you brought us here in the first place. God, remind us because no matter what it is, we could begin to take it for granted. God, we pray that we would never take your house for granted. Thank you for what you are doing here at Calvary Church. Thank you for 35 years of your faithfulness and your goodness and your grace to bring us here. And we still believe that good days are in front of us. Some of our best days are still ahead. And we thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Genesis 38, it's strange. It's strange. It's like a twisted episode of the Maury Povich show. It is a weird, weird story. But I think what makes it so amazing is that if you, if you look at it on its face, you're like, wow, that's just a weird story. But truthfully, it's a story of redemption. Because even though it seems like an interruption, it's truly not an interruption at all. It is actually God. Remember, I just, I just preached a series just a few weeks ago called Signs and Seasons. And if I were gonna really give this sermon a title, it would be the third part of that series, because what has happened is God has turned the page on Joseph's life. In other words, he, we think it's just the beginning of the story. God says, no, it's the end of that part. It's the end of something, and it's the beginning of something else, because I'm going to throw a story in here that's so random that it'll make you feel like it doesn't belong, but I'm just painting a picture to you of what I do in your life when I change seasons. It might be some of the, it might be some of the same characters, but it's a different season. It might be some of the same situation, but it's a different season in your life, and I'm shutting the door on that. I'm closing the chapter on that, and I'm starting something brand new in your life. So this is, this is an interesting story. I'll give you kind of a rundown. Judah is the main character of this story as far as the male part is concerned. And Tamar is the main character of this story as far, far as the female part is concerned. And, and they have a very interesting relationship. They're actually, she is Judah's, Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law. 
She is married to one of Judah's sons, and his son is so evil that God just kills him. He's so evil that God just kills him. And so because their custom was that if, 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 if one brother died and he was married, then the other brother would come in and be with the wife physically to give her a child so that she wasn't left without an heir in the, in the earth. And so it was their custom. It, it, was, it was set up and designed by God to be this way. And so Judah asked his, his next son to come in and, and sleep with Tamar to give her a son. Well, he sleeps with her, but he, he refuses to get her, her pregnant. And he keeps sleeping with her, refusing to get her pregnant. And because he did evil in the sight of the Lord, God killed him too. I'm telling you, this is a strange story. And then because he's got a third son, but he's afraid that God's going to kill this son too. He withholds this son from her, acting like at some point he's going to give her this son, but he, he, he holds him back. And because he's held him back, Tamar is getting a little older, and she's starting to realize her biological clock is ticking, and if I don't have a baby soon, I'm never going to have a baby, and if he doesn't ever give me the son, then I'm never going to be able to have a baby because she wasn't able to go outside of the family and marry. She would have been committing a grave sin. So, so, so this, is, this is wild. She, she, she somehow in her mind, she says, it's not okay to go out and remarry, but it's okay to trick my father-in-law into sleeping with me. I told you this was a weird story. Some of you are like, I didn't come to church. I got my babies with me right now. They don't need to hear that. She tricks her father-in-law into sleeping with her. She gets pregnant and she gets pregnant with twins. Why? Because God likes to give us double for our trouble. When people don't treat us right and people take advantage of us, God likes to give us double. Now, now when she has the children, she, she names them. And their names are very important because their names set the whole thing whole tone and tell the whole story of what this is all about. One's name is Perez, and the other one's name is Azra, and they, uh, is Zara. And one means breaking out, and the other one means brightness. So watch this. When God interrupts your story, he's literally sending you a sign to tell you the season has changed, that you are breaking out into a brighter day. Come on, is there anybody in this room grateful that God is causing you to break out into a brighter day? There's a, there's a Genesis 38 in your life, and you're like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to involve all of that father-in-law, Moripovich stuff, but it, it's going to be a breaking out into a new day, and it's going to seem like such an interruption in your life, but it's God's way of letting you know God said, I put this story here to let you know that no matter what happens to you, I have redemption in mind. Amen. I'm setting up the next chapter of your life. It's a picture also of Christ's involvement because she would be included in the lineage of Jesus himself. In the New Testament, when you look through and the Bible starts to list the women that were involved in the plan of salvation and redemption, this woman who suffered so much, was treated so terribly, is included in that plan. And that's what God is saying to you. I'm gonna take the worst parts of your life and I'm gonna redeem you and I'm gonna bring salvation into your life and into the lives of other people. Can you say amen? amen. So even though Joseph was the favorite in chapter 37, he was his dad's favorite, 
He's lost now, he's lost the jacket. And when it seems like you have lost the favor of people, you know what that means most of the time? That you're actually beginning to step into the favor of God. Sometimes you have to lose the favor of men in such such a crazy way that you, because watch, watch this, is, this is us. There are things that are happening in our life that we won't move off of unless God takes them away. See, God could send an open door to some of you, but you wouldn't walk through it because you're too comfortable where you are. So sometimes he has to let you get thrown into a pit so he can turn the page in your life because you won't turn it yourself. (laughs) You would never have quit that job, but God said, I'm gonna let you get fired because I don't want you there any longer. Oh, come on, somebody. Is there anybody grateful for a God who, who he will allow you to go through some crazy stuff, but the only reason he does it is to turn the page that you're unwilling to turn. It's to close a chapter that you're unwilling to close, to, for you to walk into something that you wouldn't be willing to walk into. So he takes away all of your options, so your only option is him. I'm, I'm thankful for the grace of God that takes away all of my options. I'm thankful that he doesn't leave me in my bad decisions. He doesn't leave me in my rebellion, but he takes away all of my options so that my only option left is him. And so here we are, Joseph, sold into slavery. He's lost all of the favor of men, but he's, he's walking in the favor of God. See, see, you thought you were losing friends. You didn't realize God, this was God's way of turning the page. You thought people were abandoning you. You didn't realize that this was God's way of turning the page You thought that it was the end, but you didn't realize that this is God's way of turning the page. Because watch this, Genesis Genesis 38 is a picture of Christ. And when you are in Christ, you are never buried. You are just planted. See, when you bury something, you put it in the ground not believing that it's gonna come back. But when you plant something, you know that it goes under only to come back up. So in Christ, even at the end of your life, when you die, they might bury you, but they truly planted you because the dead in Christ will rise. I just need you to know today that you thought, hey, I'm, I'm finished. This is the end. I, how could I recover? And God said, I brought you to this place because I need it to look like you're buried because I wanted to plant you because I wanted something new to be resurrected in your life. And then we jump into Genesis 39 and it picks back up. Same characters, seemingly the same story, but it's a new season. It's a new season. You got to recognize when the season has changed. I want to read a couple verses to you. Genesis chapter 39 and uh, I'm going to read the first six verses and then I'm going to jump down a little bit into about the 20th verse. It's what the Bible says, Genesis 39, verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. 
And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Did you notice that it just kind of just threw that in there, that while he was in slavery, he was a successful man? If we could get this mindset, that no matter where I am, God has called me to be successful. There, there isn't a season in my life where God wants me to lose. There isn't a season in my life where God doesn't want me to be successful. There isn't a season in my life where God doesn't want me to thrive. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how out of control it feels. God wants you to be successful in every season of your life. Notice that he was never called successful until he was on his way down. Never. He was never called successful until he was on his way down. Because you don't know how to handle success until you survived a pit. You don't know how to handle it. And so God began to make him successful because of the things that he had gone through. See, you thought the things that you had gone through were the disqualifiers in your life. But they were actually the things that would one day qualify you to handle what you're handling now. Because God said, I can make them. If they can survive that, then I can take them through anything. And they will be successful. Successful. So he said, the Lord was with Joseph. He was successful. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Watch this. Even when you don't feel like you have the favor of God, and even when it doesn't look to you like you have the favor of God, and even when you can't see God's favor, your enemies see it. Your enemies recognize it. And Joseph was recognized. His, his master looked at him and said, wow, everything this guy does is prospering. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Sometimes you lose favor from one person so that you can gain favor from another person. Anytime one door closes, it just means God is getting ready to open up another door in your life. You have to believe that. Or, or, you'll, or you'll mourn like, like unbelievers mourn. Or you'll feel sorrow like unbelievers feel sorrow. You'll, you'll go into depression like an unbeliever would go into depression because you don't have hope that when one door closes, God is going to open up another door. That's why we don't mourn like the unbeliever does even at death. Why? Because we believe that at death, it, it, God closed one door so that he could open up Another door. Come on, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. One door closes, another door opens. So, so, so watch this. So Joseph found favor in his sight. He served him. That's a key word, served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was all, all on that, all was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. That's a high level of trust. But when somebody is in your house and they're blessing your house so much, you just want to give them more and more and more and more. See, you have to recognize something about your life. You're not always Joseph. Sometimes the blessing of God is on your life because who's in your house? Because who's in the room with you? You have to recognize that or you'll get this thing twisted and you'll think that everything God does is about you. 
And you'll think that every time God blesses you, it's about you. And every time God's favor is on your life, it's about you getting more and more and more and more. No, God, God wants you to understand that sometimes you're blessed because I really like the person that's in your house. That's why you gotta be very careful who you cut out of your life. You don't know. You might be cutting out your blessing and you didn't even know it. Because, watch this, sometimes we, we appreciate people at first, but we get jealous of them after a while. And so the thing that was blessing us, we're now jealous of, and we cut it out. And God said, I wasn't blessing you, I was blessing them. <laughs> oh man, if you don't believe that, then you won't believe the Bible. Because sometimes, listen, it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes the favor of God will skip you and find somebody else. You have to understand that. It skipped Joseph's 10 or 11 other brothers and found him. Found him. Sometimes you have to realize what I'm connected to is blessing me. If not, you'll take the people in your life for granted. If not, you'll take the church that God has planted you in for granted. And you'll move into a new season, you'll move into a new church, and God will begin to bless your life and things will begin to change, and you won't realize that the blessing that was coming into your life was connected to whose room you were in. Hmm. Sometimes because God has something so great for your kid, he's doing something great for you. And it's not about you. Drives me crazy to drive by somebody's truck and on the back of it, it's this big, beautiful truck and it says, spending my kid's inheritance. Drives me wild. Because most of the time when God blesses you as a parent, it's not about you. It's not so you can build a kingdom for yourself. It's so that you can prepare the way for those that are coming after you and the blessing is only on you because of who's in your house. My goodness, you gotta see that. Skip down with me to verse, verse 20. So God's blessing Joseph. He's blessing Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife, because the Bible says Joseph is pretty good looking, he's got himself together. She starts to develop feelings and she tries to pursue the relationship and Joseph says, no, it's not gonna happen. He runs out of the house. She's got his coat. Here's, here's the second time his coat has gotten taken off of him. And she takes this coat and she uses it as a way to accuse him. He, he, he attacked me, he raped me. And so when Potiphar finds out, he probably knows his wife, but he realizes I'm gonna have to live with this woman for a long time. So Joseph is the easy one to deal with here. So he throws Joseph in prison. Now watch what happens to Joseph while he's in prison. Verse 20, then Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. Again, you could put this guy anywhere. The Lord was with Joseph, and his favor was on him, and he had favor in the sight of the prison keeper. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. This isn't, he didn't hire Joseph as an executive. He, he is a prisoner, and now he is over all of the prisoners. So whatever he did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything. You're dealing with prisoners, and you're not looking into the, what this guy's doing. He didn't look into anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Man, it's unbelievable. 
So he gets purchased by Potiphar, and then like his brothers betrayed him, Potiphar has now betrayed him. He, Potiphar knows Joseph. He, he knows that this is not the type of man. He knows this is not his reputation. He has lived with his wife a long time. He knows who she is, but he betrays Joseph and sends Joseph to prison. Don't get offended when you are betrayed. He's been betrayed by his brothers. Now he's being betrayed, being betrayed by Potiphar. Don't get offended when you are betrayed. Why? Notice that everybody that betrays Joseph ends up working for him. Every single person in Joseph's life, eventually his brothers would come and serve him. Every person that betrays him ends up working for him. See, because you don't know how to handle favor until you've been betrayed. Because God needs to make sure if this person is betrayed and people walk away from them and people stab them in the back, are they going to use their opportunity when they get ahead to get back at people or are they just going to serve all over again? Are they just going to forgive and begin to serve all over again? God's got to make sure that if you are betrayed, you're not going to use your come up as an opportunity to get back at the people that threw you in the prison. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in this room who's been through some stuff and you had an opportunity to get back at the people that, that put you in the position you were in, but you didn't, and you watched as God blessed your life because you didn't take advantage of people. You might have taken advantage of your situation, but you didn't take advantage of the people that hurt you. You don't really know how to handle that type of favor until you've been betrayed. You don't. So he's been betrayed, brothers, betrayed, Potiphar, he's in prison. Now watch this. I need you to get this. You cannot unlock your gift until you have been locked up. I need you to write that down. You cannot unlock your gift until you have been locked up. Watch what happens in Joseph's life. Joseph, he's been to a pit. He's now been thrown into prison. He has never in his life interpreted dreams. He has always dreamed dreams, but he's never interpreted dreams. And all of a sudden, he's in prison and his gift is unlocked. His gift was not to dream dreams. Anybody can dream dreams. His gift was to interpret dreams. God is trying to unlock something that is on the inside of you. And sometimes it takes pressure to unlock it. You, have you ever heard the statement, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke? Well, I want to give you the scripture where that comes from because most translations don't use the word anointing. They use a word that's, <laughs> that's, that's similar, but, but when you read it, you don't, you don't see it that way. But watch this. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, this is what the Bible says. So in that day, it will be that this burden will be removed from your shoulders and this yoke from your neck and the yoke will be broken because of your fatness. So, so the translators of the Bible, they, they, the, the word anointing is, is a word that just means expanding or growing or to grow fat. So you, you cannot unlock your anointing until your anointing has been locked up. And you were so successful while you were locked up. I, I just want to ask you this question today. Can you get fat when you're in bondage? Can you get fat when the chains are on? 
Can you get fat when it seems like everything around you is limiting you? Can you get fat when you are burdened? That's really what the Bible is saying. Because if you will get fat while the yoke is around your neck, your fatness <laughs> will break the yoke. I'm just, is it, does anybody in here kind of see that picture? Like, like you, you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for my good. It's the same way it worked with the Israelites. They took them into bondage and they treated them so bad. But the Bible says the more hateful that they treated the Israelites, the more they grew in number. Can you grow while you're in prison? Can you grow while you're in a pit? Can you get fat when you don't have the food? Can you, can, you, can you develop, can you unlock the anointing that's going to break the yoke off of your life? That's why when you get thrown into a pit or you get thrown into prison, don't cry. Study. I love this about Joseph. Every environment he got thrown into, he studied it and he mastered it. He mastered it. So, so when, when things don't work out the way you want them to, do you sit and cry or do you study your pit, your prison, your pain? Or do you numb it? Don't drink your way through this problem. Don't medicate your way through this depression. Feel it. Feel every bit of it. Feel every single ounce of it. Why? Because if you feel it and it breaks you, you won't go back to it. And the reason most of you go back to the crazy stuff you came out of because you didn't feel it. You drank your way through it. You numbed your way through it. I want you to feel all of it so that when you get through it, you say, I am never going back to that. Guess what? If you look at Joseph's life, he's been out of prison for a long time. In the, uh, near, the, near the end of this story when his brothers finally come to him. It's been years. It's been at least 14 years. And in 14 years, he's never gone back home. Think about that. In 14 years, he never said, you know what? I need to go back and make sure my dad knows I'm okay. I need to go back and make sure that my brothers know everything worked out. I need to go back. Why? Because your past keeps calling, but guess what? It's got nothing new to say. The reason he doesn't go back is because in Genesis 37, when God started that strange story, he closed the chapter, he closed that story, he closed that book, and he said, I'm starting something brand new, and I don't want you to go back because there's nothing back there for you. There's nothing back there for you. Nothing back there. I'm trying to change the season. You keep going back. You get into trouble and you keep running back. Whew. You get lonely and you keep running back to that same person. Ooh, man, I, we could stay there for a minute, couldn't we? He didn't go back. He didn't send a messenger. He said, you know what? That chapter of my life, that part of my life, it's over. I'm not gonna rehearse it. I'm not gonna go back and try to make things better. I'm not going to sit around and wish it would have been different. When this happened in my life, 
God shut the door. And when, and when God closes the door, will you please stop trying to reopen it? Joseph has moved forward. He has developed his gift. It's been unlocked. Now he is, his anointing is breaking yokes. It's delivered not only the Egyptian people from seven years of famine, but it's now it's delivering his brothers. Listen, if you go back, you can't become governor. The only reason he was able to move forward and become governor is because he had closed that chapter in his life. Because if he goes back and he sees his dad, begins to feel for his dad and his family again and sees what they're going through and maybe I can help, but the reason he, he didn't go back is because he wasn't needed there. He was needed in Egypt. Man. So when you get thrown into a pit, when you get thrown into a prison, don't cry, study it. Because watch this, it is, it is, your pain is not a waiting room. It's a classroom. And very often we get into painful situations and tough situations and we're just like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm just gonna wait, I'm gonna be patient, I'm gonna have patience, I'm just gonna wait till I get, and God says, I understand that and I appreciate all that and there's faith to that, but I want you to step up your faith into the level of this is not a waiting room, this is a classroom. And I'm trying to teach you something because watch, the ability to, to interpret dreams came at a time when it looked like his dream was dead. So God said, I've got to kill what you thought was gonna happen so that you can walk into the thing that I want to happen. Proverbs 18 and 12 says, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Bottom line is you've gotta go deeper than your pit. Psalm 131, the psalmist said, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. You've got to develop a relationship with God that is deeper than your pit in your prison. If they're going to throw you down that deep, you might as well go further. If they're going to throw you into that situation, if that's going to happen in your life, you might as well press all the way in. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to whine in the middle of this. I'm going to study the middle of this. I'm going to... I'm going to and what I learn in this is gonna be the way I get out of it because I'm gonna be promoted out of it. I'm not gonna to have to escape it. And so many of you are trying to escape something. God said, if you'll study in the middle of it, I'll promote you out of it. I'll promote you out of it. If, you, if you'll stop complaining, I'll promote you out of it. If you'll start studying, I'll promote you out of it. Why? Because every pit, every prison reveals two things. Your character and your capacity. It reveals what you have the character and capacity to handle. I'm gonna say something, and this, this please get offended by this. 
You would have more if you could handle more. Some of you, the reason you don't have better relationships is because you're not managing the ones you have correctly. Why would God send new people into your life when you talk bad about the ones that are currently there? Until you treat the current thing like you think you would treat the next thing, you'll never see the next thing. Oh man, if I had more money, I would do this. If I had, this, if I had a better relationship, I'd do this. If I had better resources, I'd do this. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, because if you could handle more, you would have more. Please get offended by that. Please let that shake you. Please let that make you a little bit upset to where you're like, you know what? Maybe my problem isn't everybody else. Maybe I need to make sure that what I'm going through, I develop the character and the capacity necessary to receive what God has for me in my life. It's limiting you. Lack of character, it's limiting you. That lack of capacity, it's limiting you. It is, it's, it's, it's holding you back. You think other people are holding you back. No, no, your character and your capacity are holding you back. You, you think your mistakes from the past are holding you back. No, no, no. Start to develop a new identity today. When you, when you get in Christ, Christ has a way. If you'll make a decision that you're going to do the right thing, he has a way of making sure that nobody holds your past against you. But all they can see is what you have. See, see even though David, I'm, I'm, let, me, let me say this. Even though Joseph, she never said, hey, actually, that didn't happen. Actually, he never raped me. Actually, uh, his record never got wiped clean. All he did was be faithful where he was, and God established a new identity over his life. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He didn't have to clear up the misunderstanding. He didn't have to make sure everybody knew he wasn't guilty. All he had to do was make sure that he was faithful where he was, and God began to unlock his new season. See, you don't have to go back and change who you were. You don't have to go back and fix your past. All you need to do is make a decision today that I'm going to now begin to develop the character and the capacity necessary to be what God has called me to be. I'll never forget, in the New Testament, there's a portion of scripture that says, Paul, Paul looked at people and he said, hey, receive us, we have offended nobody. I'm like, Paul, you offended nobody? You killed people. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't talking about who he was. Back then, he was talking about who he was since Christ. I just want you to know his mercy is made brand new every morning. It's a brand new opportunity for you to start a new path, trajectory, for your life. I don't, it doesn't matter how low you are right now. It doesn't matter if you just got out of prison. It doesn't matter if you're on your way into prison. It doesn't matter if you just came through a divorce. It doesn't matter if you just got fired. It doesn't matter if you just stole money and got fired. Today is a brand new day. All things are new. Start developing what's necessary to begin to walk in to all of the things that God has for your life. Will you stand on your feet with me? Amen, amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that what seems like an interruption is truly you turning the page. What seems like a story that doesn't belong is actually redemption story. You are starting 
a brand new work in our lives. Help us to press on. The apostle said, he said, I forget the things that are behind. I reach for the things that are ahead. I can't reach for my past and reach for my future at the same time. It'll tear me apart. So I make a decision to leave my past. I'm not going back there. I know it keeps calling, but it's got nothing new to say to me. And so I'm moving forward in Jesus' name.